Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. For this week's episode, I'm the only wonk, and I'm going to give you an update on the happenings under the dome at the Arkansas State Capitol for the 93rd General Assembly. Now, the General Assembly is in the midst of its regular session, which occurs in odd-numbered years from January to roughly April, and is the time when substantive laws can be passed in Arkansas. Now, in even-numbered years, the General Assembly meets to consider budget bills only, And while they can consider substantive bills during a fiscal session, it is rare and can only happen with a two-thirds majority vote in both chambers. Now, before we get started, I have to drop a few lines about what's in my music queue. Now, since the Blue and You Fitness Challenge has started this month, and the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement as an organization is a regular participant and frequent winner in our category, I thought I would mention some of the songs that get me to the finish line on the treadmill. Now, the first is Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Along with great lyrics for a run, it has a steady beat that perfectly fits my stride in a tambourine that comes in just at the right time to kick up the energy. Now, another that has a beat with my stride is Everlong by Foo Fighters. Now, to be fair, I have some other Foo Fighters songs on my treadmill playlist, but that one is right in the groove. Now, for those of you not familiar with the Blue and You Fitness Challenge, it occurs every year, and your organization can sign up in February with the challenge being in March and April. It's a great way to stay honest with your fitness routine after the New Year resolution energy has lulled, and it's also a great organizational morale builder. So sign up. Now, let's get to work. As you might expect, There have been a considerable number of bills with a focus on COVID-19 and the public health emergency powers of the executive branch. Those powers are intentionally designed to be very expansive so that states can move swiftly and without very many procedural barriers in order to protect the public and mitigate the harm that we've seen. Some of these bills that have been filed are attempts simply to codify or reinforce the governor's executive orders for the duration of the public health emergency. However, other bills would limit the authority of the executive branch, including the Department of Health, by requiring legislative review prior to the renewal of an emergency declaration, an executive order, or a public health directive, and permits the General Assembly in the case of an emergency order or some subset of the General Assembly in the case of an executive order or public health directive to terminate immediately or vote not to renew the emergency. One bill would reverse fines on businesses 
that failed to follow directives during the height of the spread of COVID-19. This type of legislative action would set a bad precedent and ignores the available due process protections that are already in place to protect against arbitrary application of public health restrictions and investigation of violations. So we'll see where those land uh, at the end of the legislative session. The legislative review of executive actions, even during emergencies, is not unusual. And a number of states have moved to strengthen legislative involvement in executive branch decisions as a result of restrictions put in place due to COVID-19. That said, while legislators have a role to ensure that emergency powers are not abused and that there are appropriate checks on the executive branch, Laws should maintain a careful balance and flexibility so that the executive branch can move swiftly, decisively, and with a clear, singular voice in the event of a public health threat. Any action by the executive or the legislative branch to declare, extend, or terminate a public health emergency should include a specific finding of the conditions supporting the action and a statement of the scientific understanding on which the action is based. We need to see the evidence. Under current proposals, the legislative branch is not subject to such a requirement. So decisions to terminate executive actions could be devoid of any evidence whatsoever. And unfortunately, this could allow political wins to carry the day. Finally, I'll go on record to say that I do think there are some constitutional problems with the proposed bill as is. And absent any amendments, the court could ultimately have a say on the basis of a violation of separation of powers. So we'll see. Next up on the podcast agenda is scope of practice. (laughs) The legislature is smack dab in the middle of committee meetings to hear scope of practice bills. And these bills are generally reserved for a couple of weeks in the middle of the session because They are typically very divisive, and there are routinely anywhere from 20 to 30 bills of this type. These issues come down to the level of physician oversight or even without physician oversight, the breadth of the services that can be provided by any clinician. Advocates generally argue that an expansion of scope of practice will be safe and effective and enhance access to quality care without increasing costs. Opponents, on the other hand, would say there are inherent trade-offs in health workforce policy, and scope of practice expansions can sometimes mean a sacrifice in quality or safety, even if it could hypothetically improve access. Regardless of the vote on these bills, we know that our health workforce is maldistributed throughout the state and that rural areas have a much harder time recruiting qualified clinicians into those areas. What we also know is that the healthcare system is and has been moving away from care delivery and financing models built on autonomy, or as Dr. Atul Gawande would say, on cowboys, and instead is moving toward team-based care, or as Dr. Gawande would say, pit crews. Now, just as recently as this month, a health affairs study found that scope of practice regulations, including prescribing limits and supervision requirements, may influence the propensity of providers to form care teams. They found that provider teams outperformed solo providers, irrespective of team composition. Among solo providers, 
physicians and non-physicians exhibited little meaningful difference in performance. So I, th- I think these findings call into question the value of autonomy when it comes to regulation of scope of practice. Policymakers should instead frame their deliberations with a goal to encourage team formation to improve the value of care provided to patients. Finally, I want to give a rundown of the new program called AR Home, or Arkansas Health and Opportunity for Me, that has been proposed and is now making its way through the legislature. Now, this is the program that could replace Arkansas's Medicaid expansion program that has been in place now for eight years under two different names. The current program, Arkansas Works, is set to expire due to a sunset clause that was put into the law. Consequently, the General Assembly must act to continue the program, and Medicaid officials will have to request approval from the federal government to extend coverage under a Medicaid demonstration waiver. So, here are the highlights of the AR Home program. First, it would be a five-year program. At its core, it would be really no different than the previous Medicaid expansion programs in that most of those eligible would be enrolled in private, individual, qualified health plans available on the health insurance marketplace. Those who are deemed medically frail would be enrolled directly in coverage through the traditional Medicaid program. This is not a big change. It's all the same as before. But in a new feature, those who have a diagnosed serious mental illness will be enrolled in a separate Medicaid managed care program. There will be quality improvement requirements and more frequent assessment of expenditures by the qualified health plans that could result in cost containment strategies, including caps or suspension of enrollment, limitations on program participation, or withholding of payments from the plans. They want to keep costs under control. That's a major thrust of this program. There will also be some targeted interventions for at-risk populations, such as those who've been involved with the criminal justice system, those with substance use issues, and women with a high-risk pregnancy and their babies. And notably, the work and community engagement requirement currently being challenged before the U.S. Supreme Court is absent from the proposed bill. Instead, failure to participate in work and community engagement activities is proposed as an incentive to be protected from perhaps cost-sharing requirements, which are those are also proposed in the bill, or as an incentive to maintain private coverage rather than coverage directly through the traditional Medicaid program. Now, the legislation faces, I think, a low hurdle to pass, requiring only a simple majority. But Arkansas requires a supermajority, or 75% in both chambers, to fund the program. It's unclear at this point whether this rebranded Medicaid expansion program will muster enough votes, particularly when some legislators are focusing only on costs, preferring to use the traditional Medicaid program with its lower reimbursement rates and ignoring the improved access and quality demonstrated by evaluation of previous iterations of the program. One thing is for sure. Without Medicaid expansion, more than 250,000 Arkansans would lose coverage. Our insurance market would be thrown into turmoil, and our health care providers, particularly those in rural areas, would be at extreme risk of folding. 
So let's hope that the General Assembly can get this done and not return to pre-2014 levels of uninsurance in Arkansas. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, and again, thanks for listening.